This podcast was recorded on Gadigal land. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land and pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Hey, just a note for North American listeners. My book, Zealot, a book about cults, will be available in physical form, like a rectangular prism, from September 8th. 2020. So if you haven't read it or you want to read it again or you want to give it as a gift, you'll be able to buy it in shops and it's available to pre-order now. So go on. I've got... And I'm delighted. I always say that, but <laughs> I'm easily delighted. I've got comedian Reese Nicholson, and all I had to do was ask. And here he is. Hello. Hello, Joe. I've, I don't know why I'm excited to say hello, Joe, but it's it's just it's fun to say hello. Hello. I think there's a Simpsons. Is yeah. It one of the old crones that goes hello, Joe. Hello, Joe. Yeah, the two weeks after that episode first aired, we're a yeah. joy. A real fucking nightmare for any Joe in the world. Hey, speaking <sighs> of real fucking nightmares, <laughs> who are we talking about? Tell me your stupid name. Tell me your stupid name. Oh, we're talking about my future husband, Lawrence. Aww. Lawrence Ray, who I keep in my head calling Ray Lawrence. I don't know why. Or Ray Larry. Like, it still works. Yeah. And sometimes I sort of go Larry, Sarah Lawrence, Ray. Yes. Yeah. That's it's what, all interchangeable. I, like, at first, when I was reading the article, like, the cut article, um, which, by mm-hmm. the way, appears to be, I've done a little tiny bit of, like, tried to do some research on top of that. Um, and there's not that Thank much you. except for that article. Like, it's No, really it's the definitive authority on the on Larry and this is we're talking about an article called Larry Ray and the Stolen Kids of St. Lawrence of Sarah Lawrence I can't even say that right Jesus Christ <laughs> well Sarah I, well, I was confused because Sarah Lawrence when I first started reading it I didn't quite I think I'm um my, like was skimming the first time I was like starting to read I was like I think you know when you first sit down to read a very long article you're like how long is this gonna take I wonder and at first I didn't understand and it took me like a minute or two to go, oh, Sarah Lawrence is this place, not a person. Sarah Lawrence is the name of a fancy artsy college. And I love fancy artsy colleges because yep. I went to some. I know it's great. It's really great working for years to have a degree that doesn't mean anything, but meeting lots and lots of people that, well, in my case, that just had bindies on their foreheads and wanted yeah. to read my aura. Yeah. This article in New York Magazine, or The Cut, is by Ezra Marcus and James Walsh, and it came out in 2019, and it's remarkable. I'll pop a link to it on the Zealot Facebook page, but basically, read this. This will just be a companion piece to that, I think. Yeah. I feel it, and I feel like it's it's one of those things. I I sat down to read it, and uh, yeah, like, like the, you know, I. We've been, I think everyone's been doing a lot more reading recently. Uh, mm-hmm. It's been yeah. doing a lot more sitting. Uh, but at first I was like, Jesus, this is a long article. But then I suddenly just like ripped through it. Like, and I'm not, um, <gasps> I'm not, not a reader, but I'm not the kind of, I don't like read a book every month and that kind of thing. Like I like, I like I know something table takes books, me Joe. more than two. Yeah, oh yes. Yeah. So I like pictures and anything more than two mouse scrolls is a yeah. chore. 
Yes. Yeah. I liked I liked the new system of how long how many you know, like um some places are like, this is a two minute read. I'm like, perfect. Great. Yeah. I like I like the length of uh, the instructions on freezer meals. Yeah, exactly. But uh, then when something uh, like this comes up, it was like it looked quite long and then it was it's just it's it like I didn't stop. I just sat on um our couch and just read the whole thing. I mean, you know. Oh no, it's not like a Lawrence. Novel. No, but, but it, like Lawrence Ray himself, it grabs you and it doesn't really let you go. No. <laughs> it forces right. you to have penetrable sex with a sex toy in front of your housemates. That's the kind of article it is. I'll do the nutshell, which is basically this is a con man who moved into his daughter's dorm room and took control of everyone in it. Yeah. But I think we'll start properly way back and we'll talk a bit about Lawrence or Larry Ray's background. And I do. He he was born Lawrence Greco in 1959. Yeah, that name does sound like a gangster name, and I think he really, really wanted to be one. Well, it makes me think of wrestling, but yeah, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely, make, makes me think of tanned men in the nude fighting each other. But oh. but you know what? Not much does it. So <laughs> it's the butterfly wing of imaginative possibilities. <laughs> but he was born in Brooklyn and. Would you like to know some facts about Brooklyn? Yes, please. My sister lives Good, there for a bit. That's all I know. Oh, then that's that's the first fact. I did have that written down. Um, <laughs> and also, both the teddy bear and the hot dog were apparently invented in Brooklyn. On the same afternoon. On the same afternoon. And then they just, just did role play for the rest of the <laughs> night. And And when it's cold, the Brooklyn Bridge rises three inches. So it's yeah, it's wow. like the scientific Impressive. opposite of a yeah, the scientific opposite of a dick. Yeah, yeah. And I, <laughs> I think we'll we'll call we'll call this first part part one the making of an asshole. Yeah. So I like that the article actually did this in the opposite way. It talked about him moving into the dorm and then discovered this really quite convoluted bastard past. He's got a very, like, I would almost, he's almost like a kind of Forrest Gump of, of <laughs> like, he is, he's everywhere. Any kind of meaningful, uh, especially like in kind of New York society, even when he was a kid, like, um, or when he, when he got married, one of the, the captains from one of the big five families came to his wedding, I think. Like, there's just this bizarre from the get-go um obsessed with just how because I've met I think everyone's met people like this who um you know I work in comedy a lot of people that run rooms are this way but he he just kind of um I remember I met years ago uh, I was in America visiting some family and uh uh, a member of my uh, partner's family uh, had had said to us oh you need to meet our neighbor he's like we think he might be like a spy or something he's just really well connected and then within a minute of meeting him my partner and I were just like, oh no, he's a drug dealer. Like that's, that's who he is. Like he's not like he's, he's, but he had that while reading this article, I couldn't stop thinking of this guy that we met that took us to like, and he never told us what he did, but he didn't seem to know everyone. And kind of, we kept moving into kind of smaller and smaller VIP rooms. And I was like 22 at the time. So it could have been, you know, just like, who knows what it was? I was still so ignorant, but, but thinking about it now, it's this guy. It's amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. this guy. It's like, but it seems with Larry, he was actually kind of connected. 
Oh, look, I won't be upset, actually, if we do keep the Forrest Gump theme going. <laughs> he worked on Wall Street, which is no fucking surprise because he's no. just the epitome of the kind of guy that would want to. And he was kind of, it's vague what he was an expert in, but kind of an insurance consultant for finance and construction and the gambling industries, which it's no surprise that he ended up knowing one or two mobsters. I feel like I should go, yeah, mobsters. <laughs> I, I absolutely won't. <laughs> but he, he definitely um, seems like one of the, if you were to play a video game like Grand Theft Auto, he's like one of the... Uh, like adjacent people. Like he's not in the mob, but he's like a guy. And I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but when he became like an informant, it seems like he wasn't a very good informant. Like he's, yes. he just wants to be this guy. He wants to be he, a mobster. Yes, it's all about image and everything. And also thank you for the generosity of assuming that I know anything about Grand <laughs> Theft Auto except that it's the name of a video game. It's the name of a video game. It's very violent. I love that he co- he co-owned a nightclub in New Jersey and it was called Malibu, but it was previously called JJ Rockers. Oh, boy. Oh, and I, I think, have a new name for my boobs. I think I... <laughs> I t-shirt. I, uh, I... Yeah, I've listened to the podcast before. And with arrows. Um, yes. One up, one down, if it's going to be accurate. One of them winking. And he's he bragged so much about being in the Marines and in the military. Oh, yeah. But he was, he was in the Air Force for 19 days in 1981. That's just a night out. Yeah. I think I've, like, I've, I don't know, I've had relationships that I would consider uh, long-term shorter than that. Anyways, Same. Um, I don't know what I was well, maybe to that's what Maybe that's what the song is about. It's about his... His days in the Air Force, it was like, it was only 19. <laughs> I think I've actually sung that song in two episodes. Who'd have wow. thought? I, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's so interesting that kind of as well, like to, and to call himself a Marine and everything he did, which I think it's a very, pretty exclusively American thing as well to be that, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think the army, in Australia, it is, it's a very noble thing to do and it's not um, a, a bad thing. But I think in America they have this very, like, it's, it's an art. It's like a religion. It's, it's a religion, yeah. I'm, sure, yeah. I'm sure you could do an episode about the army. And, and so he kind of almost holds this, like, pretend badge of honour by flashing around that, oh, I was a Marine and that's where I learned all these amazing skills that I have. When he was, like, it's 19 days just- in the Air Force. Yeah, and it's all just this is how they do it in the Marines. I could just as easily say, well, this is how they do it in the America's Next Top Model blog. Yeah. <laughs> but but I'm not going to. A lot of what he says is bullshit, but yeah. there's some backing up. How did you feel about all the ties to C- the CIA and the Russians and things? It was kind of you want to think it's bullshit. but Well, then... they seem to be real. Like the... I know. Except for that, le- the letter that he got that he always uses the um, that he was involved in the Kosovo stuff. Like he, so he seemed to be he went to Russia at some point to help negotiate a deal. Um, yeah, the is that end right? of or the help... war in, in Kosovo, yeah. which is kind yeah. of like talk about that more. Why does he need to lie lie about other stuff? It's just like oh yeah, something about some missile deal in in Kosovo that helped end the war. That's but a I, good thing, Larry. I get the impression that. Because um, apparently the letter that he got, the guy that sent the letter that, that is on the letterhead from the CIA was kind of like, oh, that was kind of we sent that to everyone that 
was oh, okay. mainly involved. Like, oh, it's like a blockbuster had... card. Yeah, yeah. Like everyone, mm. it's kind of like a participation award. He got a participation <laughs> award in ending ending a missile crisis. Um, I went to help stop the war in Kosovo, and all I got was this letter. <laughs> but well, but he had so, this because yeah. um, at that point I think he was had this weird job that you can't really pop on a tax form. That was just kind of a introducing people to people, like a kind of yeah. He was that a Walmart greeter for valued... world leaders and terrorists. Yeah. Oh, why can't you get that on your on your write that in your tax form? But he, yeah, he seemed to have been most valued for his connections and his ability to make introductions. Which is, who are those people? Drug dealers. I think just no, oh, thank you, of course. But he he was so skilled at ingratiating himself. Um, He's a sociopath. Like I, tr- I truly like that's clearly what it is. I think it's like, and it's that L. Ron Hubbard. I think I said this to you in a message, but I really mm. do. This is such. There are so many from. I'm sure you know so much more, but I the small amount that I know about L. Ron Hubbard from Scientology just seems to be very similar, like military service lies, um, kind of made up philosophies around psychology. This kind of weirdly connecting. Weirdly, like, just very strong with young people. Like, it could, you know, yeah. staying in the school, it, he could easily call that dorm room Sea Org. Like, it's so similar yeah. kind of that. Um, And, you know, the, when L. Ron Hubbard was just out on a boat for a bit because he couldn't really, he wasn't really allowed to go anywhere. <laughs> in lots of articles and, you know, a couple of the people actually involved refer to Larry Ray as a cult leader. Yeah. And I think he's. Definitely a con man and certainly abusive, as we'll discover. But and he uses a lot of the same techniques as a lot of cult leaders. But I'm still not sure if there's a belief system that's robust enough to call it a cult. But all those was other that things, weird certainly. QP four thing. Yes, friend we'll made talk up. about that. I think he wanted. He would have loved to have formed a cult, and he was clutching for any belief systems. It was definitely but, the beginnings okay. of. It was. It was like yes, Mattel, my first cult, like it's, it's, oh, it's, <laughs> yes, and you know, with the with the little camper van, yeah, um, yeah, 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 and the the I little mean, pieces of wood to burn on people, yeah, nice, and they're tiny, and they're tiny little dildos. Okay, <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> So he reckons he's he's made inroads in the post-Soviet Russian economy, contracted with the CIA. Haven't we all? Helped. Have, oh, my God, if one more person says that to me today. <laughs> um, and in 1995 he met at the time a New York police detective called Bernie Kerrick and they became great mates. But he had been, he'd recently been promoted from being then Mayor Rudy Giuliani's driver, and he eventually became the New York City Police Commissioner. But this is where Larry, oh, yeah, Larry was best man at his wedding. But this is where what you said before about the people that just know people get together. There's a photo of Rudy Giuliani meeting Mikhail Gorbachev, and that was a meeting that Larry set up. And later on, Boris, like, it's I know Robert no. De Niro. Robert like, De Niro and Mikhail Gorbachev. What are they he talking said, about? What's that conversation? What are they, 
Maybe I see. I pictured it that De Niro just spent half an hour teaching teaching Gorbachev to go forget about it. Yeah, <laughs> forget about it. Forget <laughs> no, about it. No, the emphasis is on the second syllable. Forget For, about it. Forget <laughs> about it. Up and at them. Up. Um, <laughs> That's uh, that blew my. Mind. I've re- I wrote that down in capital letters in my notes. Yeah, fucking Robert De Niro, Jesus Christ! So he was he was involved on the fringes of some mob schemes, and fun. I fun just on the who doesn't love a nice bit of fringing? But <laughs> the I love this bit that he was doing some work for a mob boss, and they had this pump and dump. Stock yeah. market scam. Did school? I say like, yeah, that's one of many. The other one was Gorbachev De Niro, which is a huge coincidence. <laughs> but um, I hope I said pump and dump stock scam like I know what that is. Yeah, I but don't understand it either. Like no. there's so many things that happen throughout this article that I read and I go, oh, yeah, like I watch so many police procedurals and that kind of stuff that they, mm. they're always using phrases like, um, same, uh, like any kind of fraud, whenever they talk about like securities fraud and all that kind of stuff, I'm always like, I don't quite, un- I know that someone's done like some, someone with a nice suit has done something real fucked, but yeah, the same yes. with pump, pump and dumps. I don't quite understand what that, is it just, you fill a company with money like, and then take oh. all the money out or what? I think you inflate the value of stocks and then uh. dump them on people. But that's all I know. That's the thing. I love the whole idea of fraud and how exciting it is to read about it. But then they start telling me about how these scams work and it's like, I don't, I can spell, that's it. Yeah. I don't understand yeah, yeah. numbers. Yeah. I, but, I quite often have my my accountant has to my partner does all our taxes and my sometimes my accountant just has to call me and go like like he when I answer the phone he acts as if I'm a little boy that's answered the door <laughs> and he has to be like is your is your mum home or is someone yeah. is someone home is, that I can talk to today it, like, look oh, is someone okay. else here yeah basically yeah. I'm not allowed to answer any tax questions. Oh, so aren't you fancy having an accountant? Mm, I see. He was in Hunters um, and Collectors. Anyways. <laughs> what? Yeah, my accountant was in Hunters and Collectors. There you go. Shush. Yeah. Then you, you just throw your arms around him. Yeah. Um, oh, don't. Don't encourage that bullshit, Reese. <laughs> that was terrible. Um, That's good stuff. So oh, <laughs> that's where the meat is in the, in the 80s bands pun. <laughs> um, so. He's helping this mob boss with this security scam, but he also goes to the FBI and lies and says, look, the mob wants to put a hit out on me. I can inform on them to you. But he didn't yeah. give the, the FBI any good information. It was just to stop himself getting arrested. Yeah, and he He's, also and he got a $10,000 $10, security system out of them, didn't he? Like he, yes. he said to them, oh, I'm, I'm scared I'm going to be murdered. And they were like, yeah, no shit. This seems crazy. And so they, they put his $10,000 security system in his house. And this is like 90s $10,000. Like this is, yeah. you know, might as well be a billion dollars. Um, and I do think that helping a mob, look, there's easier ways of getting a security system installed than getting involved with a mob's security scam and informing on them to the FBI. There's easier yeah. ways. 
And he didn't seem like he had any information anyway. Like, I think he's such like a... No. A kind of peripheral figure in every every situation that he's in, he acts as if he's the kingpin of it, but he's actually just like this guy that he's he's just introducing people to people, and that's I mean, what yeah. else is a cult leader if not that? <laughs> it's that's right. And as soon as I saw a picture of him, because he's just this stocky, balding, yeah, one of those people with meaty hands and forearms. He looks like a character but, actor. Yes, and it, you just know that he walks with sort of gorilla posture. Yeah. You know that? Ass out, yeah. chest forward thing. Um, and as soon as you see a photo, you just go, oh, I know exactly the type of person he is. I know that guy. He looks like a background actor in The Sopranos, like a kind of, and that's yes. being kind. Like just one of those guys playing he would cards love in the background. That. He yeah. had one line in season two. <laughs> oh, the dream. So he did get busted for being involved with the mob and – at the time, he asked his mate, Kerrick, the police guy, to help him not get, you know, into terrible amounts of trouble. And he was like, mm, I'm going places in the police department. I can't really help you. Yeah. And that's where we kind of learn that Larry likes to hold a bit of a grudge. And nothing so, like going into jail to really give you some time to have a think about how and why you're oh, going to ruin someone's life. He's kind of trumpy in his ability to hold hold a bit of a grudge. I've often so, thought while we're in lockdown how many people are just thinking revenge plots. Like when you've got a lot of time in your house, you start oh thinking, two years ago that person said that in front of those people. I'm going to ruin their life when we get out of – as soon as these numbers get down in Victoria, I'm getting out there and I'm ruining his life. Do it. I'm using the time to get to know my neighbours better just by listening to them. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> one of them – they're, they've got these really strong Irish accents and one of them, when he comes home drunk at night and can't open his door, he calls his door a bastard. It's glorious. Right. It's so nice. Right. Oh, you're opening your bust. I can't do accents. Okay. <laughs> to get back at Carrick, he, he runs to that pantheon of journalistic integrity, the Daily Mail, and just makes up all this shit about him. But he was a bit dodgy, so Carrick pled guilty to felony tax and false statement charges and went to prison for three years. So there, that's important for later. Wasn't there a jail on, there was a Manhattan jail named after him as well? Imagine going, (gasps) imagine if he'd ended up going to the, because he rose, and this to me is so how corrupt the whole system is, you know, like we, we think we have corruption here. We got, we got fucking nothing. Like to go from a driver to kind of the head of, and then he, because he was the head of the NYPD, I think, or the, yeah, the kind of commissioner or Police commission, yeah. Police commission across, uh, like, when 9-11 happened. So that also kind of catapults you. You know, you suddenly, uh, he suddenly went from kind of a, a New York figure to kind of a national figure and, like, the face of it. And so, but all the way, like, none of it, none of him really proving himself along the way, it seems like. Like, it kind of, I haven't looked too much into him as much, but it just, you know, to go from driver to commissioner within a few years is pretty nutso, and right? Imagine pol- police commissioner Bernie. And, yeah. yeah. So, and so there was what, yeah, the Bernard Carrick correctional facility or something but imagine that yeah. imagine the administrative difficulty if you got sent to your own jail and they'd be like name and you go bernard carrick and they're like yeah. don't just tell us the name on the front of the yeah. <laughs> you've put this you've put this information in the wrong bit of the form yeah it's the i love lamp of um prison administration <laughs> 
in a nutshell, Bernie Kerrick and Larry Ray, they don't like each other anymore. No. But he also managed to get his ex-wife, Teresa, to really hate him. So they they got divorced in 2004. And I think it was partly because Larry had a girlfriend that he would use to, well, he'd offer sex with her to his business associates. So yeah, she was kind of kind of a fun traffic kind of friend. <laughs> he was definitely tra- he was trafficking oh, an her FTS. like from yes. the get from the get go. Like a like it's so bizarre. Like I don't I don't know about you, but when I started reading this, uh if you take the the years out of it, like if you take the dates, I would have thought this was like the sixties. Like it's so um, yeah. like unregulated and so kind of it seems impossible that this, this could still be happening to this level. And like, so you know what I mean? Wife swapping women as currency feel. Yeah, not, without someone not going. Not the same women as currency we have now. This no, is old no, school. No. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like it just seems a bit more um, like how was this, how was he not found out sooner? Like it just seems yeah. in, we, we, we live in such a time of like, uh, you know, just social media generally, but like the fact that he was living, I mean, I'm sure we'll get to it, but the fact that he did all these things without anybody going, this is weird, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Look, I don't, yeah. And I don't know if that whole had a girlfriend that he was pimping out was the cause of Larry and Teresa's divorce, but I'm not sure it helped. But then that when she divorced him, he decided, okay, sweet grudge time again. Mm. And he got, so his daughter Talia was four, 15 at the time and he had a younger daughter as well who was five and he convinced them that well convinced his daughters to accuse their mother of child abuse forged some diary entries on their behalf got them to oh love dear diary dad is so cool cool and (laughs) mum is mum and granddad and my cousin and my aunt's they're super Not abusive. Um, also, I have a crush on Gavin. <laughs> Do you think he likes me? Y slash N. <laughs> Child services investigated and they found nothing. And the younger sister even went, oh, yeah, daddy told me to say that. Yeah. Which, okay, that might be a T-shirt. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, in certain, in some, in my culture, that means a different thing. I think. But oh, I'm... No, no, no. That's universal. You yeah, can't okay, have, great. you can't have all the good shit. Right, um, right. I mean, yeah, most of it. Admittedly, most of it. So, a court said, a court gave custody of the girls to the mother, to the completely non-abusing mother. God. And. Larry said, nope. So he was back to jail for custody violations. But he he reckons that Bernie Kerrick got Mayor Giuliani to influence the family court so that he couldn't have custody, custody of his children. Imagine thinking, like, and this is the where it seems so cultish to me as well, like, has, is such a narcissist to think, like, and look, we've all, we've now seen... Giuliani on the news much more in the last few years, and he yeah. clearly is a a nut job. Um, but, but also not not bright enough. No, and also much. like you've got so much stuff going on. You think you're going to listen to like your your mate who used to be your driver, and just be like, "Hey, let's let's destroy Larry's life." 
Uh, I know you've got yeah. all other. I know nine elevens just happened. I know that. I know, but there's other stuff going on. But that's. I like this. I'll read directly from part of the the article in the cut about that. And I love how it starts because it says, according to Larry's blog posts at the time. (laughs) So he wasn't just, you know, a cheating, girlfriend-beating, mob-involved piece of shit. He kept a blog. He was a blogger. He was a blogger um, and an asshole. So it says, according to Larry's blog posts at the time, judges, prosecutors, police, federal agents, and even his own lawyers were working on behalf of Kerrick. Larry gave shifting explanations for Kerrick's motivations. Sometimes the former commissioner was out for revenge and other times Kerrick, along with Giuliani, Bush and Dick Cheney, was trying to silence Larry because he knew secrets about 9-11. He told a city investigator looking into Kerrick that on three occasions people in mysterious vehicles had pulled up beside him and shot at his car, barely missing him each time. Don't you hate it when you're George Bush hiring a hitman to shoot at a nobody piece of shit and they yeah. miss? I know. Oh. Don't you? That's like a kind of um, almost, uh, what's his name? What was the movie that just came out with Hugh Grant in it? Anyways, the like the just people trying to put on a murder plot that just was never actually going to happen. Yes, anyway. The Gentleman. No. Yeah, yes? yeah. You know yes. the one. That, um, yeah, you know the one that I mean. And sure, the, people are going to be po- screaming at this podcast right now. When he comes out from prison for custody violations, that was all a conspiracy plot by Bernie Kerrick that involved many heads of state. Yeah. Uh, I think that leads us into part two, which is don't let your housemate's dad offer you free therapy. Like again, like I said earlier, how is this happening in modern times? If someone says. I remember being 19. I barely remember it, but I remember being 19. And if someone said mm. to me, hey, my dad's just gotten out of jail. Is it cool for a whole bunch of stuff that I won't go into? Is it cool if he stays in our dorm for a bit? Take me to your Just for a bit. Don't worry. I'm really close with him into a probably uncomfortable way. And you're going to be made very uncomfortable by him. But don't worry. He's going to want to watch you have sex, but don't worry. Can my dad stay? Like, and no one went, oh, no. I think you're imp- you're forgetting the very important thing that he cooked dinner. Oh, yes. And he, yeah. and he got he the manicures and stuff and, yeah, and he gave them uh, But I just reckon can my dad crash for a couple of days, which ended up being sort of a decade in various places, but – I, it's not that should strike fear into anyone. Yeah, I don't. So I'm uncomfortable talking to any of my friends' parents because you're kind of like, what do they know? You know what I mean? Like, what are they going to? Yeah. What are they trying to find out? His his daughter Talia is at Sarah Lawrence, the fancy artsy college, and it's kind of a instead of big dorms. I don't know what dorms are like in US college system. We either stay at home or live in. Filthy share houses in Darlinghurst yeah. with our mates. They're these. It's kind of unusual because it's a fancy place. They're they're kind of like these really big townhouses. So each one had, I think, eight bedrooms and a central area, like a TV room and stuff. It strikes so, me from the way that it read to me. It seems like a kind of big suite 
like a big hotel, like with adjoining doors and stuff, if that makes sense. Like a kind yeah. of shared area and then lots of little areas and lots of small sinks and bad bathrooms, I reckon. Like lots of, like when you when you I stay in a quaint... two bathrooms, B&B. which is kind of, oh, you don't yeah. want to have to wake up for a poo in the middle of the night and then listen to see when someone's finished. I'm just basing that yeah. on fiction. Um, yeah, sure. Okay. I mean, maybe well, I see a doctor Lauren... about shitting in the middle of the night, but, you know, move on. <laughs> no, my friends and I have got this thing where we drink where it's a garnish challenge, where it's so stupid. The only challenge is to just eat your entire ga- uh, garnish and then there's the advanced level where you don't break eye contact the entire time. <laughs> and the only, the only downside, the only non-heroic part of the garnish challenge is that it's a lot of fibre. Yeah. And yeah. Anyway, um, and anyone who doesn't do the garnish challenge is a coward. That's how it works. These are all nineteen-year-olds, and like nineteen-year-olds at liberal arts colleges. They they feel things really deeply. Yeah. So we've got Talia, Larry's daughter. We've got Daniel, who was just kind of discovering who he was sexually at the time, and he was a bit. Yeah. He wasn't really sure. He was quite fluid, I think. Yes. Um, there was Claudia, who had suffered a bit from depression. Santos, who had suffered a bit from depression. Isabella, who had just come from a breakup. And Santos's sisters, Felicia and Yalitza. So Do they kind of are... came later, right? Like they kind uh, of yes, they were added. Which to me is where I think it does feel like a cult. I know that you're the ex, but like it's the adding yeah. of people. Yes, is the kind of like bringing hey, people tell, in. Tell people that you think this will suit. Kind of yeah, recruiting really. Yeah. yeah. So he's staying for what's supposed to be a couple of days, and he's making meals, and he's cleaning, and he's holding movie nights, and then it starts to get, you know, he's giving impromptu lectures and talks about the nature of life and and then holding group and individual counselling sessions. It's yeah. that whole, and I know everyone always says about things like this, and you've even said it twice, I think, didn't it seem weird at the time? And I think it's just that it's that little drip feeding of indoctrination yeah. where as long as it's slow and peppered throughout with meals out. Um, well, there's a thing that and- I wrote down that really struck me from the article that Daniel had said, which was mm. everyone seemed to think this is really good. Like he was starting to question that this was weird. And he said, everything seemed to, everyone seemed to think it was really good. Maybe there's something wrong with me and I need to lean into this, which is to yeah. me, like that is the thing, like, um, if you start to question it, you start to go, oh, well, no, it's my fault. It's my yes. fault that I don't I don't get this because everyone else – and everyone else is probably thinking, I don't get this. That must be my fault. I'll lean into it. Like to the point where, and I'm sure we'll get to it, but like he and a girl are kind of uh, – Larry's like giving them advice of how to have sex with each other and he's watching and then he starts to join in. Like yeah. throughout all of that, but I can see – this is how I know I would be – Look, I'm open to a cult. I'm not. But, like, I can see mm. I'm the type of person that I would just be like, oh, right, yeah, okay. And at yeah, that seems... time as well. And this is at art school. And I went, yeah. It's yeah, I, I mean, it probably 
oozes from every pore that I'm exactly this kind of white middle class. <laughs> but I spent a long time at art school and it's, it is that kind of place where you do at that time and in that place, you're both open to some quite unusual ideas and it's at the time of your life where you're experiencing often excruciating insecurity and who am yes. I and where do I belong and which people do I relate to? So I think it's someone- the same as, and quite often they're trying to like kind of not destroy it, but it's in drama schools, they try and kind of tear you down. And so you are this kind of vulnerable. Um, and there was even, I think there was talking about in the, um, article about how they were thinking of putting some sand in the house to make it feel like a beach. So they're doing this kind of stuff. So it, nothing was regular. So anything yeah. irregular seems regular. To and speak about fiber. The, thank you. Full circle. One of his mates, David Birnbaum, had come up with this philosophy called Q4P, which is the quest for potential. And so all energy in the universe is powered by by Q4P. And the guy that came up with it was a diamond district dealer yeah. who moonlighted as a philosopher. I wrote and that. That like, was my first oh my note God. that I took because it's pretty early oh. on in the article and it just the sentence just struck me. So much yes, like I a diamond a diamond district dealer who moonlights as a, as a philosopher is like, oh, yes, please. I have a bag full of diamonds and a heart full of promise, Reese. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, Nothing says get a hobby like a moonlight philosopher. Yeah. Um, but that's sort of as close to a belief system. But he, I still don't understand pre-extortion, which we're about to get to, how Larry made any money. And it sort of says he was a life consultant for some people and he had a domain name business. I reckon he wasn't as rich as he thought. Like, I reckon he was putting all his, because he says, like, he'd take them out for, you know, every little while he'd take them out for a high-end dinner, like all these people, and he'd pay for it with a big water cash. I reckon he's... But it was from a backpack. Yeah. Like, he's so, he's the same as that guy that I met in America. Like, I reckon he's making little bits of money lots and lots and lots of ways. And, and make it look constantly like. hustling, and then occasionally, yeah. like it's that wannabe mobster th- vibe of like, I'll get this, I'll get this, blah blah. blah. Because you know, I think we've all, you know, if you get like a good paycheck for something, I'm the type of person. I think most people who work in the arts are you. You want to pay for everything because it's almost instant. It's not performative, yeah. but you you want to seem like, no, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Like it's it's the nth degree of that. Like he just wants yes. to impress but he's probably i reckon if you were to look in his bank account through through, through these years there was no money in there like i reckon yeah. he's flat broke and one of the one of the details i like that every morning and they'd also in summer breaks and everything they would live in an apartment in on east 93rd street mr chen owns. yeah yes but who owned by his mate chen um or lee chen and chen? It didn't matter where they were, uh, whether they were at the college or at this apartment. Every morning, he'd play. He'd start the morning yes. by playing the Who's Bubba O'Reilly, which is also the theme for CSI New York. This is the level of imagination we're dealing oh, no. with. That's right. I was thinking of it as the um, Miami one, but no, it is the New York one. You're right. I was thinking of it as the. Uh, Oh, the only Caruso thing one. that could make this story worse would be the inclusion of David Caruso. I promise I would have mentioned it <laughs> if it was the Miami version. 
Um, yeah, the and also the thing that struck me was another Daniel quote that was um, talking about like staying in that house. He said, I didn't want to go home and this was the alternative, Daniel says. Part of why I got in a cult um, was because I had no idea how to find a place and live in New York. It's like, so the housing market in New York is part of the that's, reason yes, that a lot of these kids relatable. ended up in a sex cult. Yeah. Oh, it's a slippery slope, Prime Minister Morrison. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to read a little bit more from the article as well because this really gives an idea of what these sessions were like that Larry held. And it says... Larry's core program of personal transformation happened on nights they stayed in. After a late dinner, everyone would gather in the living room for a marathon discussion in which the group interrogated one person about anything and everything. Usually the person being questioned had landed in the hot seat because he or she had done something Larry didn't like. Trivial mistakes such as scratching a pan or breaking a plate were considered intentional manifestations of childhood trauma. The group session's purpose, Larry explained, was to reveal deep personal truths. And I think I will you're say, coming up to my favourite section of the whole Oh, article. my God. And that I will sort of interject there before I get to that bit. That revealing deep personal truths, like that happened in Nexium and it just happens in yeah. so many cults that you tell it's the leader so, your secrets. Yes, exactly. Oh, it's the whole driving principle you tell them your secrets and then they can use them against you. Then you're afraid of disappointing them for the rest of your life. Suddenly you're married to Katie Holmes, you know? Uh, <sighs> I, mean, that's, I mean, that's a bonus. And it says, on one occasion, Larry convinced <laughs> Daniel that the reason he played the ukulele was because of trauma inflicted on him <laughs> by his father. Larry told Daniel to smash the instrument in front of the group as an act of catharsis. When he did, the group applauded Daniel for achieving closure. Like they applauded because nobody in the house was going to play ukulele anymore. Exactly. That is genuinely my, f- I copied and pasted that. Ho- as soon oh as I realised you were reading that bit. I've got that whole section in, in bold. If you look at my notes, it's the only one in bold because it made Nothing. me, <laughs> it made me laugh so much. I mean, it's not funny, obviously, but it is such a bizarre you go into a certain mindset reading an article like this and then when suddenly oh my God. a man is forced to smash, I mean, it gets much darker later on, but what happens to Daniel? But this, yes. that particularly is like, clearly Larry's gotten annoyed at Daniel playing the ukulele. And look, we've yes. all questioned our sexuality. Ukuleles are often involved. Yeah, because uh, Larry but, has said to Daniel when Daniel said, look, I think there's a chance I'm gay. And Larry's like, no, you're not, mate. It's like, oh, yeah. That's, so this is not a proper therapist. Yeah, yeah. But nothing that's right you look in dark stories like this you look for levity where you can and i the idea of the ukulele is a symbol of of sort it's, of parental it's like abuse. A Martin Bush thing it's like a, it's like a, yes. or like it's so tweed and weird and strange uh, yeah and also, i really tiny tim are you okay yeah I just, oh poor ukulele but just it's a really good it's a good blame game to have in your repertoire. Yeah. But he also, he didn't sleep much and he preached the benefits of prescription amphetamines. Hallelujah. And yeah. he just, these kids were already in a bad place and apparently, I mean, Larry almost brags that these eight kids, there was something like 
12 fucking suicide attempts in the yeah. decade he knew them. Yeah. And he kind of didn't, and he kind of sells it as that's what's brought us all together. Like you've all, there's a bit in the article where it kind of says, because he'd made the point, oh, what's brought us all together is that you've all, um, I think he even said obsessed or like have had experiences with suicide. I think it might have been obsessed. He worded it really strangely. Mm. Um, and, uh, and that's, but yeah, when you actually look at it, the article goes on to explain that, no, it's like, I think maybe Santos or someone had attempted before they were in art school when they were at school mm. and then no one else had. And then it's only because of him. Like it's, you're the cause. Like it's not. Yes. It's just, it reminds me of that thing where, you know, every group has a dickhead and you, if you can't identify the dickhead, you're the dickhead. It, yeah. It's not like that at all. But it's kind of like if the only difference between before when you'd never attempted suicide and after is that you have an overbearing manipulative con man living with you, then have a little look yeah. at that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you might be the manipulative con That's man. That's right. That's right. If you can't identify the manipulative con man in your group. So he he basically indoctrinated them in a lot of ways and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And the counselling se- sessions were a start. The generous gifts, like you need to make, as a cult leader, you need to make your followers prefer to be around you than anywhere else. Yeah. And you also need We're to drive We're kind of scared to be anywhere else, right? Like, yes. Like- and he's diagnosing them with things like schizophrenia. So that sort of makes you rely on him. Yeah. And you need to drive a big fat wedge between your followers and their families, which he certainly Oh, the family did. stuff. Yeah, the family stuff is bizarre. Like the more and more you read about that and the more you look into it. Like luckily, um, I mean, I'm sure we'll come to it, but like some of the some of the people are back with their families and then some of them just aren't. Like it's they, terrifying. They will just never, they'll never really recover because they'll never recover yeah. those relationships because he's yeah. convinced them that any of their problems are due to like their family abuse and and some of them are like table. or that uh, yeah that their parents allowed them to be like in one situation I think it might have been with Claudia maybe um mm. was that she'd been molested perhaps by a family member and there's no evidence of that there's no like he kind of creates these memories the bizarre thing to me to drive the wedge between people that he did was like the diary entries and the <gasps> letters and the like I still don't quite understand and maybe you understand this more than I, like the, was he forcing them to write these fake confessions? Like they're they're confessing to something they didn't do and they know that. Was it to then kind of have a paper trail almost? Or have I gotten that wrong? Do you know what I mean? Like It certainly was. And he was a massive record keeper. Um, I think he was quite good. I mean, the mix of, really just being the only person they relied on, plus believing that yeah. they had mental disorders, which would include being forgetful, and yeah. that they were, you know, victims of He's abuse apparently. Completely. Then if he suggests that they perhaps, you know, poisoned someone, which we'll get to, then they were like, they you by that point you would be like, well, shit, did I? Yeah. So... It is, and and he would be, I think in a lot of cases, he probably wrote things down and then got them to sign them, but. We've all had parents. We've all done yeah. that at school. Uh, yeah, I think you have to sign this. This has to do with. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the thing that I remember a lot is um, 
talking like speaking of this manipulation like the was it i think his wife's lawyer that he's literally impossible to evaluate because he's able to manipulate and control almost any situation in which he finds himself including a psychological interview with a forensic examiner no matter how experienced that examiner may be mr ray is very good at what he does like that blew me away as well it's like psych eval professional psychologists couldn't evaluate him because they're just like oh i can't like this is impossible yeah, I don't know. I don't know where this man, what this man is. Like, it's kind of yeah, it's that almost Hannibal Lecter style. <laughs> like, yes, convincing someone to swallow their own tongue, and we're all we're all Migs. <laughs> oh, sweetie, that's another t-shirt. <laughs> we're all Migs. We're, we're all, all Migs. masturbating onto Jodie Foster as she walks past and swallowing oh, her own no, tongue. Excuse me these these are tasteful t-shirts. I think all it's right. just. Just imply it. Just maybe that can be on the back. Maybe, maybe just a stain on the back. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is, oh, poor Daniel. Daniel got the brunt of it, I think. And even one time when he, he, Larry blamed Daniel for his daughter Talia missing a college deadline. And so he crushed up aluminium foil into little balls and rolled them up inside like a yeah. string of glad wrap. I wrote this down, yeah. Oh, just, and just he, he called a it a garrote. But, and then it says, in front of the group, Larry ordered Daniel to wrap the contraption around his testicles and penis and Larry began twisting it. The metal cut off circulation to his genitals and dug into his flesh. Please... Do not use this information to fashion yourself a copycat genital garrote. Don't get yourself a garrote, guys. Garrote off it, you know? Yeah. Oh. Is it, and is it a garrote, is it, in my understanding, and this is another video games reference, in some games Great. a garrote is like a thing that you strangle someone with, like from behind. Yeah. Like I think it's like what hitmen use. That's how I understand kind of, it. Yes. Okay, cool. That's all. Mm. I just wanted to know that. I could have Googled it, but I decided to ask you. That's... That's how I'm going to become a cult leader. Yeah, I might, you know, it's going to be the fuck Google ask me cult, but with a better name. Um, But the bit that blows my mind was that he's, by the time he gets to the point where he's able to make these kids feel just guilty about everything, he starts charging them money for things he says they damaged. Yeah. I... And we've all had a landlord. Oh, that's true. That's true. I'm a I'm a landlord's wet dream because I'm polite <laughs> and frightened of everything. This is and Santos sent an email to Larry, and the subject line was "Prices of your things I damaged or ruined with preliminary total," and it was five pages. Yeah. And the total and it's like things like painting tape. He damaged a gas range. You don't itemized painting tape as no. something you owe someone money for. But the total was $47,000. Oh, my God. And he couldn't pay it. And Larry's going, well, you have to. You damaged my shit. I'm going to the police. And so Santos got his parents to sell their house to help raise the money. And this is like... I really feel for the parents, I think. I mean, obviously the victims are the greatest victims, obviously. But Mm. the kind of loved ones, I think you feel the same with all kind of cults. When people get out, like you, 
really feel for the people who had to watch this happen and would have been, you know, there's a story of I think someone's aunt came to New York to kind of the plan was to get her out. Yes. And Larry just completely like just put a wall up. Like it seems like from reading the article, the parents knew from the get-go. Like I think parents usually have an mm. instinct for this type of thing. Like who the fuck is this guy? My kids have moved to New York. There's a 50-year-old man living with them who's giving them lectures every night. Something's going on. Yeah. And, then, and yeah, he's got, suddenly he's got they locks on the refrigerator. Yeah. That's bizarre. bizarre. And, then, and then I think around this time as well, he gets, they all go to his prop. Like what? something I was unclear is they go to his property to help him fix a drainage system or something. Oh, but this who, is his where's step- his house? This is in North oh, Carolina and it's his stepfather's house. And so he gets them all there. It's basically slave, forced slave labour and they're completely redoing this drainage or irrigation system. And according to Larry, they're just damaging everything while they work and he's got a lock on the refrigerator and they're working all through the hours of the night and I think sometimes in the nude because why not? Uh, in for a penny, in for a pound. And he's saying that, you know, if you don't get this work done properly and stop damaging things, then my stepdad's going to have a heart attack and die. So because apparently they're just damaging everything they touch, he's charging them money to install a drainage system at his stepfather's house. Wasn't it by the end of it they reckon it was close to a million dollars he'd extorted out yes. of everyone? And that includes the other holy shit thing, which was, and I think that also moved, uh, they moved to Jersey, I think, near the end. But Claudia, who was still one of the people to stay with him really the longest, he got her to work, to do sex work for him. And yeah. it was 8,000 a night, so that's – and I suppose all his connections would have come in handy then. But yeah. she she did sex work for him for four years and gave him about half a million dollars from it. Yeah, he just took it all. And it's like you know for that much money – I mean, you know, I'm not an expert on sex work, but I know – $8,000 for a night seems like quite a bit, I would which to me, so. by comedy rules, and I don't know if this is the correct <laughs> thing to say. But, is this uh, a good analogy? Let's see. Let's see. <laughs> With, say, a corporate, if I'm offered a hmm. lot of money, my automatic thought is, well, this is going to be the worst. This gig is like they're offering too much money for this to be good. The more money is usually the worst thing. And I'd imagine it's quite similar With different circumstances in sex work. Like the more money that's being offered, the more it's like, oh, some bad things. Like uh, especially upper echelon New York-y types. Yes, it would be like. not famous for their straight missionary, you know? It's not a. Anyways, we we tiptoed through that territory. Good on us, Joe. Yeah, the worse the experience, the higher people will pay. Um, yes. My only analogy is that the most I've ever been paid per word for my writing is when I was doing recaps for the bachelor so it's you know yeah. it carries it carries across all <laughs> industries i think exactly. um, <laughs> and so he's getting all this money by making things up he's also frightening them he, if they disagree with these kids he puts them in sleeper holds and he threatens them with knives and the and poor daniel 
Daniel. Daniel. Larry just kept denying that he had, that he was anything except absolutely heterosexual and got got himself to penetrate himself with a dildo in front of Larry and all the others. And well, the thing that struck me about that was uh, they got him to, he was like, oh, you want to see if you're gay or not? And he made him put on a dress and go and get the mail. And then straight after, and as he came inside, everyone was laughing at him. And then in the dress in front of everyone, he made him penetrate himself with a dildo that was just in the house, I guess. Um, Mm. And that even then everyone else in the house isn't like, this is bizarre. Like that, is, it just seems like these thresholds that keep getting crossed. I guess little by little you keep crossing yes. the threshold until you're watching. I mean, we've all at times done like drunk too much and, you've, and suddenly you're at the top of a tree and you're like, how did sure. I get up here? What's happening? But to be standing in a dorm room in an art school watching your friend in a dress forcibly penetrate himself in front yeah. of you while everyone laughs, you must think. Is this the right choices for me? Maybe, right. maybe, maybe a Bachelor of Education should be a different. Uh, Look, I know engineering's anyway. boring, but there's none of this yeah. bullshit. There's none of well, this actually, happening. actually, there's probably a lot of that. Yeah, bullshit. there's probably but a lot worse. I also think that whole, oh, if you think you're gay, put on a dress. That's such a puerile, yeah, immature concept of what. Yeah. Gayness is. It's gay. it, it, yeah. it makes him look like he's four years old. If anything, like, why don't you put on this suit that fits well? Like, then, <gasps> maybe, then. Or, you know, why don't you try a different type of bow tie? <laughs> like, then, then. Oh, we see, might. I would join. I would join yeah. a sartorially superior cult. There just aren't any. They really, that's one thing that almost all cults. They're very about light linen and flowing things, aren't they? It's oh, always, just or just dirty. Hands. Yeah. Yeah. No, or I want to kind of, I think what we want is a coven maybe. I think we want a coven. Oh, that's right. That's right. Tomato, tomato, Reese. Yeah. Um, and by this point he's referring to both Isabella and Santos's sister, Felicia, as his wives. Oh. And they, he's convinced that the law's after them. He's just got really a massive laundry list of ways of indoctrinating these kids and keeping them his, I suppose. Mm. And then he starts with the conspiracy theories about the poisonings. This was strange to me, this bit, because like it starts talking about and then it seems mm. like the article changes tense. Like in the last few paragraphs, we're very suddenly in present tense. I Once don't know if I read it they're sort of evicted from, the, from Lee Chen's apartment. Um, yeah, that's when it sort of goes. Uh-uh. But they're evicted because Lee Chen, the landlord of the apartment, goes, "Okay, this is enough." And of course, Larry sues him, sues the landlord. The testimonials in this case, well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, from and remove the locks from the bathrooms. Oof. But so Claudia and Yelitsa are, are testifying in this case, and it's about an eviction this court case and they're giving these weird testimonies about which are all lies about how they'd met Larry when they were children and and their grandparents had like heard had been talking about him or something is that yes. right like and that Bernard Bernie Carrick who he still has a grudge against um has been paying their parents to poison 
both Larry and his daughter Talia. It's bizarre. And Larry created a website to host videos of theories about these poisonings. And Claudia, who looks drugged up, is confessing to trying to poison Talia. It's fucking bizarre. So he's like then he's obviously medicating them. And Mm. then like, yeah, because that, I mean, obviously I wouldn't want to see that video, but it doesn't like, I've, I wasn't trying to find that video, but yesterday I had, I was like, I wonder if any of his like websites still exist or anything. And they don't obviously. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that that you can imagine that what it looks like that video of like a kind of drugged up, like whether, whatever he's giving them and just, they just become zombies. Like I think a lot of these stories end up that way where you just end up with a kind of harem of, people not really sure where they are anymore yeah you know what i mean anyways absolutely the cut article ends when claudia leaves the group but there's a few articles about what's happened since lawrence isabella and felicia moved to new jersey to an old friend scott muller's house and Larry, ages ago, had helped Muller stop drinking, so Muller kind of felt indebted to him. And there's a story in New York Magazine about it. And, again, he gets all this equipment and he's trying to renovate this house that he's just staying in. It's not even his house. And from the New York Mag story, it says, a dispute between Muller and Ray around Halloween in 2018 uh, well, there was a dispute when Ray dug a hole in the front yard and dropped Muller's <laughs> boat into it. Felicia and Isabella go out there and they spray paint the fucking boat and put blow up dinosaurs in it. And they say, oh, we made a funny thing for the kids for Halloween. Don't let Larry stay at your house. Yeah, unless it's like, you know, you, you're trying to lose some sort of income unless you're trying to like a money pit situation then yeah let him go but like yeah it's just bizarre and that comes down to the narcissism i think as well it's just this kind of idea that like we all maybe we all have someone in our family who thinks that they can renovate things and they can't but this is like and if you don't know that person it's you it's you yeah Yeah. stop knocking out walls (laughs) um but but yeah just this kind of idea that's like no he'll love it You'll love it when I do this. Or like, yeah, put the boat in. It'll be funny. Like just a constant state of knowing, of thinking that he knows best. So because Ray, because Larry and Muller had arguments, Larry just went, oh, yeah, you're poisoning me too. <laughs> I love that. Don't like, yeah, someone cheats at Scrabble, they're poisoning you. And he sometimes limps and he's like, he had all these kind of weird. Really? In the article in one of the paragraphs it said like something like, he was always in he how he he was always in pain and he was sometimes because oh, of the like point kind of was yeah like kind of making up these weird kind of soccer player injuries that don't exist like the you know what I mean that kind of like oh the ball wasn't even near you but you fell to the ground. The thing I love about this article is that nine months after it came out because this oh Ezra Marcus who was one of the writers of the article went to Sarah Lawrence College and they graduated in 2014 and heard rumours while they were or just after they'd graduated about this website that contained videos of other Sarah Lawrence kids confessing to poisoning and they thought that's got to be bullshit. But 
because they were journalists, they're looking into it and took it to New York Magazine and they just went, let's find out if this is true. And they even they were even able to interview Larry himself while, you know, Claudia and Isabella and Felicia are still living with him. With him. That's what that's the bit the last few paragraphs for me and I suddenly when I was reading it, I was like, oh we're we're now. Like the tense had changed and yes. it seemed yeah, like he was being interviewed because it even says Larry has denied a whole but like all this, you know, a lot of the kind of sex stuff he denies still and thinks that it's all bullshit. Like the joining in on the sex and stuff like that. So suddenly like, oh no, they have access to him. Like this wasn't kind of just a vague We've no. heard about this guy. This is like, no, you, you've chatted, you've talked to him. They hung out. They saw him pay for things with the money out of his backpack. But due to this article, he was investigated and he was arrested in February this year, 2020. And he, admittedly, February yeah. was nine years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Um, in um, I just yeah, love saying these though in Piscataway, New Jersey. Piscataway, not great for my lisp. Uh, or great for your lisp. Great for my lisp. Um, and he was charged with things like I think there were nine counts, and I found the um, indictment, so I'll put that on the Zealot Facebook page. But yeah, including sex trafficking, extortion, forced labour, and of course he pleaded not guilty. Yeah. I was trying to figure out when the actual court case is. And I know he appealed in April because he apparently has diabetes, so he reckons he's at a higher risk of COVID. But I, whenever the actual court case is, I am taking time off work. I am watching every second if I can. I cannot wait. I love narcissists who have pled not guilty in court. Oh, it's yeah. so delicious watching them try to – because they just believe that they know better than everybody in the room. All of that um, – I mean, there's a similar – I've been kind of keeping my eye on the case with the uh, – what's his name? The Golden State Killer as yes. well. Because he's um, – just these – yeah, these I, – I mean, I don't think he – I don't think he did not guilty, did he? I no, he pled guilty. Else. Yeah, but just seeing seeing them in the stands is so interesting to see these yes. like – and I, I, I mean, it's a different type of – abuse obviously but um seeing them process and they still don't seem to be like oh i did a bad thing they're still kind of like well this is inconvenient yeah it's like Like, the chris isaac version of i did a bad thing not the legal version of i did a bad thing and like seeing the um i watched the indictment video this morning with the whole you know the big cardboard cutouts of yeah larry and all that kind of stuff they they do you're only supposed to get a big cardboard cutout if you're in a new release video yeah (laughs) Not if you're a um, criminal. But I think it was the FBI side, of, the guy from the FBI um, said, like it was just really stuck with me. He said something like, uh, you know, this, this kind of thing makes you angry uh, and if, you, if this doesn't make you angry, you don't have a soul. Yeah. It's like, Jesus Christ. Like that is a full-on thing because I want to say about something you've done. But also like, sure, Innocent until proven guilty. But if you're not angry at this man, you're going to fucking hell. Yeah. I love it. Oh, so anyway, that's an upcoming court case that the only yeah. 
way that could make it better that he's getting busted is if he decides that everyone's trying to poison him and he tries to represent himself because that's my favourite. I don't have any sympathy at all for that absolute piece of shit. No. I think it's a very similar, um, I think we're starting to see very slowly, very, very slowly, uh, kind of whether it be Epstein or Larry Mm. or these types of men, these kind of, especially in America, these men that are kind of sewn into the fabric, like kind of corporate political fabric that Mm. sex just seems to be part of it. like And an obligation on other people. It's, you know, part of yeah. the, the way that people need to and, respect them. Yeah, and, like, turning a blind eye, like, whole mm. court systems turning a blind eye to everything. We slowly seem to be getting to a point where we are indicting these people. We. You, you and me, Joe. You, you yeah. Know, the, yeah, the, I'm the court case will be ready ourselves. That's yeah. Right. Um, but, yeah, slow, like, it's just, it's vaguely hopeful that, you know, something like this. Because can you imagine the parents of the kids involved in this must have just been like, thank fuck. Like, cause it is so long ago. It's a few years. Like I was, I'm about the age of these kids. I'm a little bit older. Like Talia mm. is my age. Stop bragging. So they were in, sorry. I, I can weirdly kind of relate because, you know, who's to say any of us could have gone to art school and been brought into some weird sex cult. But it's just, yeah, I just find it interesting that we, yeah, it I seems feel like I didn't get the whole experience. Year, <laughs> it just seems in the last year we're getting a bit more yes. better at, Ruining and, these men. you know, the kind of guy who even psych evaluators can't penetrate, you just think, yeah. fuck, the only thing to do is get him off the street, get him away from other people. There's no other choice because he will manipulate his way into and out of every situation. Yeah. Oh, is there anything, any random facts we've forgotten? Random Random, random facts, I'm talking random facts, I'm talking random facts about cults and that. Cults and that. That is the most perfect thing I've ever heard. I did a bit of a Google around and Mm. really everything spawns from this article. Yeah, which is... Anything else is just repeating this article, which I just find really interesting. Yes, especially because that you just go, how many other things are going on with similar people that we're never ever going to hear about? Because it this was a a great opportunity seized upon by some journalists, but there's some that you don't get those opportunities, so it must be going on. What's interesting to me as well is that the first half of this article, or the first bit of facts, are kind of like a quaint. Not quaint, that's the wrong word, but mm-hmm. interesting kind of like, oh, that, like, oh, this guy was like kind of tricked these teenagers into like a bit of a cult, but it's not until the second half that it gets really dark. And then it just go, plummets. Oh. Yeah, and then it's like becomes this incredibly bleak, grim. But, yeah, it just makes you realise all these kind of, you read these funny little news items sometimes that are like, and I think as someone who, and I'm picking up that you're the same, like, yeah, I watch a lot of, Horror movies and yeah. like looking like love kind of grim kind of stories and quite morose, sad things. Absolutely. But usually they're just kind of like quirky and weird, like a kind of timber. And then it's when you read more, you're like, oh, and yeah, you're right. Like how often is this happening? These types yes. of weird mini mini cults. That's and that's a thing. I think that's what this will have to be classified as because really the only thing missing is any 
kind of describable belief, belief system. system, but yeah. absolutely everything else, every single technique is one shared by cult leaders and in some cases CEOs. Um, <laughs> but I suppose I, I do, have, yeah, I do have just to do a little swoosh of levity at the end. My random fact is that Mark Warburg and Jason Bloom acquired the rights to the yes. article. So Bloomhouse Productions are planning yeah. maybe a movie about the stolen kids of Sarah Lawrence. Yeah. Well, it was either going to be it was going to be him or Ryan Murphy, and I think the better man won oh. <laughs> for this particular story. Oh. Um, do you know what I mean? This, this also screams like that type of thing as well, like a Netflix original Ryan Murphy, like yes. with um, with yeah, like just basically all the people from American Horror Story playing them. <laughs> Although I hate um, to say it, I think Jason Statham is now around the right age to play a glamorized Larry oh, Ray. That's true. Yeah. 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 Keep the accent. Um, yeah. He's not, yes. he's not from Brooklyn anymore. Flips. Do the backflip. Yeah. <laughs> that was part of his backflip in Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels was part of my sexual awakening. Yeah. Yeah. Burst it right open. Yeah. Too much? When there is a court case, uh, mm-hmm. I am so sorry, but you are going to be getting a lot of messages from me. Oh yeah, I'll Good. be I'll be in it. I I you know we say take time off work. What work? Uh, I'll be Rush. there. I'll be watching. We can uh, do a follow up episode. We can do a watch along episode. We'll do a whole series of the. Let's the live Larry, tweet the entire Larry thing. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. Imagine all the t-shirts. Holy shit! Look, <laughs> I think there's not much left to say except out here in the fields, I fight for my meals. Join a cult. No, don't do that, Joe. No, don't join a cult. Thank you, Reese. That's good advice, and thank you for talking about this piece of shit. Thank you. This has been a real delight and also a horror. Yay! That's my favourite combo. You've been listening to Zealot, produced by me, Joe Thornley, a stereotypical art school alumnus. My co-host for this episode was Reese Nicholson, comedian and head of an exclusive sartorial coven. Further reading and pictures of Gorbachev can be found on the Zealot Facebook page. And music is by the Everglades, a man with an impeccable sense of rhythm and a favourite stove hot plate. <laughs>